On this episode of the Break in the Game Show, I'm joined by a good friend of the show, Mo Murphy, and we're going to talk about his new podcast that he just released, the new episode on the Up in Flame show. We're going to be talking about the new sell from the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll be talking about how the Los Angeles Clippers have not been getting much love, if any, and we're going to close out with talking about the top 25 players under the age of 25. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But That channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and I lied to every, I lied to you, America. I said that Austin would not be with me this week, but he came and just made a complete liar of myself. But I've never been more happy to be wrong. Um, got my good friend Austin Carr with me today for a little bit. Austin, how's it going, brother? It's good, you know, and to everybody, don't worry, Steven didn't have bad intentions. I just, you know, wasn't going to be able, didn't think I'd be able to make it because of, of work this week. But as you can see, I'm in my car and I'm on break. So I figured, you know, I might as well jump on with these wonderful gentlemen for a little bit here and, and talk some basketball. There we go. All right. And as promised, we do have a very special guest today. He's a good friend of Austin and mine. You know, he's a part of the Off the Ball Network. He's actually one of the vice presidents there. Uh, he's the host of the Up in Flames podcast, who just had a phenomenal episode that I want to dig into today. But first, we're going to go ahead and say, what's up, Mo? How you doing, man? Hey, I appreciate, you know, having back on. Thought I was going to have some huge shoes to fill again and fill in for Austin. So the load has been taken off a little bit. To be able to join both of y'all, you know, and speaking of dope shows, you know, before Saturday I had you guys on and we were able to have a great show. So, you know, I definitely can't wait to talk some basketball with y'all. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, before we get going into tonight's show, just want to let everyone know that support for Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive, exclusive excuse me, office offer for our listeners today. My goodness. 20% off plus free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with BTG at manscaped.com. I am having a lot of trouble right now talking, Mo. How do you feel about Manscaped, brother? Hey, hey I love it. Actually, you know, they were able to send the product. Um, I obviously, you know, a sponsorship of the network, a sponsorship of a few of us individually. Great product. Definitely can't complain. Definitely be worth your while. Take advantage while you can of getting 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, the deal ends April 22nd, so you still have a couple weeks left to go ahead and, and make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we trust this uh, product with the probably most important part of our body outside of our mind. Right. So, I mean, that's that's no small, no small feat. And we lost Austin. I don't know if he's going to be coming back or not, but we're going to go ahead and proceed with the the outline of the show. And Mo, you just had a phenomenal guest on this past mm -hmm. couple of days and you talked about a very important topic. So I want to kind of let you, you know, kind of take it away with the work that you've done lately. Yeah, so um, shout out to Wayne. 
Uh, Wayne Cole had him on the show. We talked mental health. Actually, the inspiration behind it. Shout out to our president, Chris, who actually had him on Off the Ball podcast. Um, I watched their live show before I was able to get him on as a guest. And they basically touched a lot on that subject, you know, and I appreciate Chris for, you know, doing that. Obviously, I appreciate Wayne for coming on. But, you know, a lot of times they people, we talk basketball, we talk football as a network, we're a sports network. So, you know, they kind of put us in that category. And then there's some conversations I feel like that need that are needed. And with me not being an expert in that field, but having an interest in that, because, you know, that's a topic that's near and dear to me. Uh, I've been through, you know, I guess you say mental health issues. Uh, people close to me have. And so I've seen it time and time again. You know, I had a teacher way back in the day that actually due to mental health issues, you know, ultimately took her life. So it's one of those, you know, I, I definitely have had my experience personally and people close to me. So, you know, bringing Wayne on, man, I mean, I, I have nothing but great guests. Like everybody who gets on my show is great. And, you know, he's just he's another guy that you add to the list. I mean, the insight he gave, you know, the impact, just learning some things and carrying a conversation. And basically it was a learning experience for me. You know, to be able to ask some questions and get some true insight on not only somebody who is educated in the subject, you know, with his master's working on being Dr. Wayne Cole. So mm. I can't wait to be able to give him that title. But then true personal experience within that subject too. you know, him being a mentor to hundreds of kids, veterans, uh, professional athletes. You know, he's really deep in the field. So it was definitely it was a really great show. Like, you know. I've kind of, I've had like mixed emotions since about it just because like, you know, I've never really talked about my own battle with mental health. So to be able to do that on my show and give people a side of me that we don't, you know, you don't really see, we don't really get personal when we get on here. You see our friendships uh, through the network, but nobody really gets personal and necessarily shares their personal experiences, especially with such a tough subject that's not easy to touch on, especially as males. You know, that shows like a vulnerable side of ours. So I definitely appreciate Wayne for coming on. And, you know, I, I would never regret that. I, you know, I would have him on again to have the same discussion and go even deeper if possible. Yeah, Wayne did a great job. And I kind of relate to a lot of the message that he put out on your show because uh, I'm kind of and I'm not like patting myself on the back or anything. It's just who I am, you know, individually. Never really been one to kind of be shy away from expressing myself or mm -hmm. making people feel like, you know, uh, I'm a dude. I don't want to listen to you talk about what's going on with you. You know, I, I don't know. You know, it's just the way that, I you know, I was designed the way I was created. But I've always been kind of one of those guys that wants to kind of reach out a little bit if something's going on and try mm -hmm. to get to the root of it. You know, if people do me wrong, like I've had close friends of mine, you know, you know, out of character will respond negatively to me. And I feel like a lot of times, especially in today's society, you know, it's like, ah, uh, you know, I got to look out for me, you know, if you, they're toxic, you know, let me protect mm -hmm. myself. Like that's not really productive when you consider like you could be making a difference in someone else's life. If you put your feelings, like your, your own hurt feelings aside and be like, okay, like what's causing them to respond this way? Like even me being married as a husband, I love, learning about my wife and sometimes i'm sure it drives her crazy because all i all i really want to do ever really is to understand her in the middle of an argument like i want to know what caused this to happen like and i will basically kind of dig in and be like no like i like thank you for saying sorry but i just want to kind of see 
you know, what I did so I can learn and be better for you and for us. And we can learn from that together. But um, I, I love the I love that y'all dug into such a, a a topic that, like you said, man, it doesn't get discussed enough, especially as professional athletes. Like imagine just it's difficult being a regular human being mm-hmm. dealing with the world and stuff like that. But when you hit like a particular status in life, right, you just assume that money can cover up everything. And yeah. I think that we dehumanize these professional athletes. I mean, this is a basketball show. So like NBA players have have spoken out about stuff like that. You know, Paul George, Kevin Love, countless others, you know, recently have stepped out and say like, hey, look, you guys think that this is easy, but like I'm depressed. You know, it's sad out here. And, um, you know, we just think, well, how, how can you possibly be sad? You could buy whatever you want. And, you know, <laughs> the human psyche doesn't necessarily work that way, does it, Mo? No, nah, 100%. And that's, you know, I guess that's our biggest thing. And that's what I love about everybody here on the network is that, you know, when we do our shows, we, we don't criticize. You have There's some criticism in covering the sport, period, point mm-hmm. blank. You got to talk about what people do well. You got to talk about what people do bad. But at the end of the day, like, we're not the the we're not clickbait to bring everybody's character into question, you mm-hmm. know, under any circumstance. We don't really, you know, even with Draymond Green, as outspoken as he is, and some things he says I do agree with, some things he says I think he's off the wall, but it's not for us to attack him because at the end of the day, like you said, we kind of dehumanize, people dehumanize these professional athletes in the response to them being depressed or speaking out or you know with their pitch on social justice lately and stuff the response is ah who cares you're not affected you have money you know and people don't understand that you know money doesn't buy happiness and for us guys like us who just aren't can't walk around spend a million dollars and call it a day we would think the world of having some money but you know like they always say with more money comes more problems And, and it's true it doesn't mean that you know but people just think that to get through their problems, they can buy themselves out of it. But when you're in a deep mental state, no matter what may have caused it, money is not going to buy a positive brain activity. You know, mm-hmm. money is not going to, you're not going to be depressed and just be able to spend. These guys have plenty of money. They can, they know they can buy whatever they want. Clearly, if they've gotten into that state, that's because the money that they have spent to maybe even get them to last that long out of depression, like it doesn't work anymore. It's not, money isn't a medicine. But, you know, people who don't have that kind of money, we tend to think like, ah, what are you complaining for? You have all this money. Ah, what are you putting yourself in this position for? You got all this money. So that's definitely a thing. A huge mental health is huge within sports itself. Yeah. And just imagine, too, like in today's society, you know, you look out for number one, right? And you got to protect yourself and you got to get rid of toxic energy, positive vibes only like that whole message. Right. So imagine if just regular people like you and myself, Mo, or I don't subscribe to that, but just for the sake of this conversation, let's just say that's how we went around and conduct our own business. Imagine when you have, you know, millions and millions of dollars and you can't just hang out with everyone like mm-hmm. your your social circle is cut down significantly. Right. You know, so already you're you can only talk to a couple people. You know, I could only imagine, you know, finding, you know, being in a relationship with that amount of money is going to be difficult as well. You know, who's trustworthy, who who really cares about you as a person. Mm-hmm. And then pandemic happens and you're isolated from your already small circle. I can only imagine the uh, the toll that it takes on, you know, someone's emotions, their their um, their happiness, their state of being, you know. Yeah. I mean, in to talk with Wayne, it, it was like that took like we're in a point in time in the world now that took the biggest toll 
on America. We talk about, you know, just the little, I won't even say the little, but it is the little stuff. We need to be sociable. We need to be out here and interact like human interaction. Nobody really notices. We take it for granted because we do it every day. And, you know, somebody like you and me, there were a lot of changes within our job. But we still, like, we weren't affected. We didn't lose our jobs. We continued to go to work. You know, sometimes for some of us, it was a W because we went to work less. You know, Mm -hmm. um, so Still got paid the same. Exactly. So, you know, we went to work less. We were still able to see people. But you didn't realize, like, man, that being out in and out of the house and, you know, things, just being able to talk to human beings. And so it seems like, you know, through this pandemic, seems like now we're in a recovery process. Things are getting better that, you know, People are getting vaccinated. You know, you have the option to do that. And we're in the recovery stage. In the recovery stage, a lot of is you starting to realize, like, man, as things open up more, people are still dealing with a lot of mental issues because, man, I had got adjusted. You know, it was depressing at first, but I got adjusted to keeping my distance from people, not being in a crowd full of people. And now because money makes the world go round at the end of the day, all the venues, all the you know, the stadiums, the clubs, the bars, they starting to open up at now full capacity. So now you're going from being in small groups in, you know, more than 10 was like frowned upon for the past mm-hmm. year. Now you're going to, man, I'm about to be around hundreds of people. I'm about to go into a stadium with thousands of people. So now you, you had one adjustment. Now you got to go back to adjustment to what we wanted to go back to, which was a sense of normalcy. But it's not that easy because... You get through the depressing part of, you know, barely being around people. And now you have to get right back to being accustomed to being around a lot of people. And there were some people who they got comfortable, you know, and everybody was able to ultimately enjoy this alone time. As you say, go to work, go home, stay in the house as much as possible. And now it's like they're just throwing the the crowds and being around a lot of people. And that can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get into your intro extrovert type of, you know, personalities, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, some of us who even myself, man, I'm more of an extrovert, but I do value my alone time. And mm-hmm. I did feel like I got into my alone time a lot more when the pandemic happened. And now I'm having to readjust being back around, you know, a whole bunch of people like you just said. So it's interesting. But man, um, hats off to you. Um, hats off to Wayne, the the subject that y'all broached on your show. It got a lot of attention and rightfully so. And I know that, you know, part of what we do. Yeah, there's a little bit of it. You do want to reach you do want to reach out to people and you do want to convey a message, whether we're talking about who we think is the most valuable player or if we're Mm -hmm. talking about something as as serious. It probably I mean, not probably absolutely is more serious than who's our this season's MVP. How -hmm. are we dealing with one another? You know, like taking the time to say, hey, you know, basketball is cool, but I want to check in on my brother. I want to check in on my sister and make sure that y'all are okay. You know, right. that, that that's huge. Yeah, 100%. And it's crazy because it actually did get some positive feedback. Got a few messages that like, man, you know, you doing that show was great. You know, like it's just some positive feedback, whether it just flat out impacted their life that day or not. There was a lot of like a lot more interaction because that was the overall, not only could it reach a bigger crowd, but that was overall somebody would sit down and they were probably learning also. Like, you know, speaking to somebody who's an expert at anything, period, point blank, you learn. And so mm-hmm. for mental health to be such an issue now and a lot of people are going through it and don't understand it and don't realize it, you know, um, 
they were able to learn and, and they appreciated me for even doing that because they know I talk sports, I talk football, I talk basketball, I gear, I'm passionate about it. But then like to kind of go on a more serious topic and allow somebody to, you know, to get use their platform to have that kind of serious discussion. I think a lot of people appreciated that too. And it opened up another dynamic that I'm more than just I get all behind the microphone and talk sports. There's I have other interests. And, you know, so it was definitely, I think it was a good turnout and good for Up in Flames as a show. And I think, you know, it'll turn out to even be good for the network just because I think a lot of the guys at the network appreciated the show and realized that, you know, we can have more conversations amongst each other, you know, based on mental health and just positive check-ins with everybody. You know, I think it'll even bring us closer between my show and Chris's show with Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys, like I said, hats off to you guys. Shout out to everyone who's listening, who's a parent, you know, who's a mentor, who's a friend, who's an advocate, who's a voice. You know, don't take what you do lightly because it is impactful more so than you probably even realize as of today. But um, Mo, just appreciate you sharing a little bit of that here on on the show today. I just want to remind everyone that if you want to listen to Mo show, go and look up the Up and Flames podcast anywhere podcasts are available. It was a great, great episode, and I highly encourage everyone to go check that out. But all right, Mo, I feel like we adequately covered that and the great work that you and Wayne did on your show. I want to get into a little bit more NBA discussion now. We were talking about how, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of money in your pocket. How about to the tune of $1.5 billion, to quote Dr. Evil here? That's roughly what the sell price of the Minnesota Timberwolves was to MLB legend Alex Rodriguez and wouldn't it be nice to have a billionaire friend Mark Laurie to mm-hmm. um, purchase the Minnesota Timberwolves down Mo, when we found out about this you'll know, plug for the group chat we were chatting around with a uh, you me and jerk and we were talking mm-hmm. about one of the first things that automatically came up was you know, do they move the Timberwolves and a couple hours ago I guess Glenn Taylor was interviewed and he put out that the intention is for them not to move and they're actually considering putting some sort of legal language in the contract for the sale that the timberwolves are going to stay put in minnesota now mo would you ever buy a car but not be able to do like any sort of like upgrades or maintenance or anything like that to it no i mean that makes no sense like (laughs) you know i agree i spend all this money i make an investment so i spend all this money you know but i can't uproot and lift the team if i feel like okay i put a billion dollars but if i move this team to this city or whatever you know i make some adjustments to this team and obviously in the nba it's relocation would be the biggest adjustment the biggest money grab you're gonna tell me like yeah buy it for a billion but it's gonna stay worth 1.5 billion like you can't turn a 1.5 billion investment into a 10 billion dollar investment so yeah that kind of makes no sense and i i could even see that if that becomes like true like in the contract language i could see them backing out so far, it's been agreed upon, but, you know, once those lawyers sit down and read that paperwork and, you know, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie sit there and be like, nah, like, we bought it with intentions to move or, you know, we bought it with we want to intend on staying in Minnesota, but there's possibilities. We want to listen to these other cities that have been, you know, kind of begging for a team without, you know, they've been begging for expansion teams. You know, you brought up Seattle. Seattle, ever since they've lost their team, they've wanted one back. They want, you know, like, um. Austin said in the pre-show, they have a great fan base, the Seattle Seahawks, you know, the Seattle Mariners, even the Seattle Storm, like they have everything. They don't have an NBA team. They're getting a hockey team now. Mm-hmm. They're missing the NBA team. I mean, that would be, you know, it would be crazy that we're the sports capital, one of the sports ca- that have everything, 
and we're missing, you know, an NBA team as a city. I could see, like, now that they brought hockey on, I think they're, like, adamant on bringing NBA back to the city. Yeah, and we, one of the best franchises and fan bases that, you know, we remember growing up, right, Mo? Like, they, guys like Gary Payton, guys like Sean Kemp. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they had some really powerful teams coached by Nate McMillan, who's still, you know, doing great work in Atlanta right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've read, Mo, is that, if you're going to put like a no move clause in a contract like this, it's also something that if it were to go to court, it probably wouldn't hold up very much because there's a whole bunch of other clauses and stuff like that, that one is above my head and two, I'm not going to bore everybody with just going over legal language and stuff like that here on the show. But I mean, any other owner is allowed to move their team, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so you can't tell one owner like, no, you can't move in here. And now what's interesting, too, about this whole situation, Mo, is is that Glenn Taylor is going to have about two more years operating as the sole owner. And now what's why I find that interesting is what kind of impact does that have on the general manager in Rosas? What kind of, you know, what does that have to do with Coach Finch, who was just brought on in in Minnesota after the, the whole thing that happened with Flip Saunders and you had a coach waiting in the wings and they overlooked him and Coach Vanderpool and went and got an outside hire? Um, one, it's just interesting to me that you're going to have an ownership group who you know is out the door. So how much are you really going to listen to them? Like, you're not going to like just tell them off to their face, but you know, some of the things that used to probably be like priority number one, probably are starting to move a little bit lower on that list because is, is Rodriguez is Lori telling these guys too, like, Hey, technically, yeah, this guy is the boss right now for the next two years. But, you know, if you want to stick around while we're here, we're going to need you guys to work on this. So, you know, you can only serve one master essentially right in this situation. So how do you see this working out for the Timberwolves over the next two years? I mean, my biggest thing, I guess, to watch out for is because it's not owned by the NBA, which we've seen, you know, um, with the New Orleans Hornets back in the day. And obviously, you know, we can bring up the famous or infamous um, Mm. trade veto of Chris Paul. So I look at with actually selling the team to owners, does teams come to Minnesota and take advantage of it? Obviously, there's a couple players over there that, you know, could probably do more on another team. Obviously, you got a young guy like Anthony Edwards. He's not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But you got Carl Anthony Towns. You have uh, D'Angelo Russell. You know, so I kind of look at could there be, you know, could it be more enticing to trade those players? Granted, for Alex Rodriguez and them, it wouldn't be. But at the same time, could A-Rod and them kind of think like, man, we just want a franchise with a fresh start. We may be moving, things like that. What What is, what's better? They don't have like a bona fide. Cat is a star. He's an all-star caliber player. But, you know, D'Angelo Russell could be an all-star caliber player. But they don't have like true bona fide star that makes the city go around. So I think, you know, especially with their franchise, the Minnesota Vikings are more important than the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I would say that you might have to watch out for them getting like as many draft picks as they could get some capital and trading a lot of their guys and basically what we would call a fire sale in a sense so that, you know, they could have a true fresh start and build a team as owners the way they want. I'll probably see a new general manager. We'll see, you know, them looking at head coach. There could be a head coach vacancy, you know, in two years in Minnesota. So I think I could see a lot of movement within that organization and, you know, it sucks if I'm Anthony Edwards or I'm Carl Anthony Towns or I'm D'Angelo Russell because 
if I'm a guy, ah, we don't want him or, ah, this isn't the future for us, they're going to be gone and it's not, you know, they're not going to have that leverage that they could go talk to the ownership office. There's a brand new owner you don't know. He doesn't know you. Obviously, you get to know your star player if he's there. But I, I could see any – I don't really see Anthony Edwards, but I could see, you know, with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, you know, kind of becoming Minnesota Timberwolves trash and becoming another team's treasure. I could see, you know, they've kind of been around the trade block. Sometimes they, they get brought up around the trade deadline. Carl Anthony Towns did again this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the offseason you kind of see them get offloaded and preparing for a whole new regime in Minnesota. Yeah, and that's interesting. And when I hear two years, that doesn't seem like a long time, but in the same breath it does. You know, mm -hmm. Within those two years, you can probably start imagining that this new ownership group may be reaching out to other cities and states to get you know certain legal affairs in order to for them to hold an NBA franchise. You know, the, the groundbreaking, you know, getting construction crews and stuff like that on site to be able to start preparing for maybe a city that doesn't have a stadium ready. Um, yep. Maybe such as like a Las Vegas, for example. Um, Seattle definitely has the infrastructure to where they can facilitate bringing in a team like that. Probably have to do upgrades and things like that. But a lot of the legwork is already done. So, again, Mo, when I hear two years, I'm just curious because you have that whole will they, won't they move aspect. Um, but also, too, with Glenn Taylor, this is a, another note, you know, is the devil you know worse or better than the devil that you don't know because Minnesota Timberwolves fans for a long time have been very critical of Glenn Taylor you know Kevin Garnett and him do not have a good relationship at all you know the mm -hmm. whole I don't want them to retire my jersey I won't even show up um, but the one thing that Glenn Taylor has done and it's been rumored a couple times during his tenure as the owner is he's kept the team in Minnesota so it may be one of those things where Minnesota Timberwolves fan look back and say, you know what? Glenn Taylor did X, Y, and Z wrong, but we had a team while he was here. And, you know, now yeah. you're selling a team and that's got to be the number one thing. If I'm a Minnesota Timberwolves fan is, am I going to have a team to root for in the next five years? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, when, when you new ownership and the possibility of other cities wanting a team, you know, like we said, we brought up Seattle, obviously kind of wants the team back. You know, we've talked, we've heard the discussion of expansion teams within the NBA. Obviously, the two cities we hear the most is uh, Seattle and Las Vegas. So you would, as a Minnesota fan, to be honest, outside of people like from Minnesota, I don't really know too many Timberwolves <laughs> fans. Like, mm -hmm. you know, especially since Kevin Garnett left. Like, everybody loved Kevin Garnett. Everybody watched Minnesota. But there was... There was reason to watch them. I mean, Carl Anthony, they got some good players. You know, you could get into digging and diving. Why nobody? But it's like Minnesota. Like it's not a popular state. Even it doesn't. It's not a media-driven state. You don't hear about much of Minnesota. The only time you really hear about Minnesota is a if their team gets sold, or b like if they do have a good team. And like I said, you talking about you know an NBA franchise who is second fiddle to the NFL franchise. You know, in the same state with the Minnesota Vikings. So. I mean, I don't think – I think the first love in Minnesota is football anyway as far as when mm -hmm. we're talking about fandom. You know, I know more Vikings fans. They have more of a history of, of historic relevancy. I wouldn't say greatness, but historic relevancy. The Vikings have put some good teams, some exciting teams. I mean, you know, the Randy Moss and the Adrian Petersons of the world have played for that franchise. Where, like, outside of Kevin Garnett, Minnesota doesn't have, like, 
you know, like you think of like Latrell Sprewell. When you go back, you think Wally of like Latrell Exactly. <laughs> so there was no like star driven outside of Kevin Garnett. Before or after. I mean, Colin the Towns was supposed to be that guy, but the Fall Mulberry got his start there and he he, he yeah. wanted out, you know. Yeah, he wanted out. And then you just look at their stars now. Like Anthony Edwards could really be a star for them, but even still, like people just don't pay that much attention to Minnesota. You gotta be basketball heads, such as you and myself. To really know the Timberwolves roster, to really know, oh man, they're making some improvements here. You know, outside of Anthony Edwards' highlights on Sports Center, you really haven't. Unless you're a basketball head like you I mean, you haven't even watched Minnesota much. I think a relocation is the best thing for a franchise like that, also. Yeah, and plus you have to deal with what they call the small market tax. And not to say that Minnesota is a small market, but it's definitely a cold weather state with a with not a rich history of success either. So mm -hmm. those are both free agency killers. You know, you don't have a line of players looking to say, Hey man, let's like, let's go team up in Minnesota. You never, exactly. you never hear that. But you know, how about Seattle? Would, would players want to go team up in Seattle or Vegas and a like brand new thriving diverse. There's always something going on every evening. You know, you got, you're going to run into celebrities all the time there. Whereas in Minnesota, You'll be lucky to run across another, you know, Vikings player or something along those lines, which, by the way, the Vikings are kind of declining in relevancy as well. So you don't have really that rubbing of elbows, so to speak, in that market, as you would say, a Seattle or a Vegas, you know, and another team that I could think of off the top of my head that used to have an NBA team that doesn't anymore would be Vancouver. But why would you want to move from cold weather to cold weather? You know, to me, like that doesn't yeah. make sense. Like that would be more of a an expansion location as opposed to a relocation. Yeah. And then having Toronto and Vancouver to have, you know, you've seen with the pandemic, obviously we don't prepare. We don't base our lives on preparing for something like this to happen again. But, you know, mm -hmm. Toronto is out there playing in Tampa and kind of I knew that would be a dangerous situation because now, you know, the city of Tampa is like, oh, man, you know, expansive team we're listening to seattle vegas mm -hmm. you know we're listening to them pitch granted, the buccaneers are relevant exactly the bucks are relevant and granted the tampa bay lightning are relevant you got the rays across the rays? water mm -hmm. who, who pretty much are are relevant in a sense you know everybody knows who the rays are they're not necessarily a great winning culture or anything they're not but, the yankees but you know. yeah 100 percent. i mean they're in the same division as the yankees though so they do see them a lot they see the mm -hmm. red Sox. they bring in some money but now you got Tampa, who their only argument of having a team is why would we have two teams that close with Tampa and then the Orlando Magic an hour away? But you know, I, I could. See Meanwhile, you got Brooklyn and the Knicks, and you got what, two LA teams on top of five. Yeah, California. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, but still, it would be you know just because I don't know how adamant Florida is. Like you look at they they. The, it's a football state at the end of the day. So the Orlando Magic, the most love I remember them getting growing up in Florida was obviously when Dwight Howard was there. That was, mm. Everybody had Dwight Howard jerseys and things like that. Shoot, I Shaq and Penny days. Yeah. yeah, Shaq and Penny. You go to when they were dominant, and then that's when, man, Orlando Magic basketball was live. But as far as true fandom, like we ride with our team, we die with our team. You know, like I hate to bring it up, but like the Lakers – you know, their fan base is like, man, it feels great to be where we're at because you weren't there when, you know, Jordan Clarkson was the best player on the team at one point. <laughs> or the Knicks, you know, when they had five starters who all five of them probably aren't in the NBA now and, like, you know, they have a chance of making the playoffs. Like, man, all those rough years when we do become good, it's worth it. 
I just don't know if Tampa would even take over the Bucks, and you know, even the Bucks when they're not winning, you know, the city of Tampa isn't fully pretty supportive. recent that they've been doing that, right? Yeah, I would say the Lightning get the most love in Tampa, believe mm-hmm. it or not. You know, in the state of Florida, the hockey team, but <laughs> winning culture. The, you know, the there Lightning compete for the Stanley Cup every year. So I think Vegas, to me, makes the most sense. I, I just think Vegas, they got a hockey team. You know, they have a WNBA team. They summer have the league. NBA team. They, the summer league is in Vegas. So obviously basketball is real familiar to that area of Vegas. And it's Vegas. Like you said, something going on every night. Yes, could it be a problem for rookies to get there at such a young age? It could be, but NFL players seem like, you know, through the first year there hasn't been much, you know, of guys getting involved in a lot of trouble. Obviously, Tom will tell, but it just it makes the most sense. Like, why not, you know, bring a team to the city of sin and, and you know, people are there, like you said, Monday through Sunday. What sport is consistently played on a nightly basis is basketball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get to tri- take a trip to Vegas and on top of that, like one of your chill nights can be, you know, drinking a little bit, hitting the casino and going to a basketball game. Going to like, a boxing match at the MGM. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like they have, there's all that. But then when you talk about during the basketball season, like, man, I could go, it'd be even more enticing for people to go to vacation because sports is, sports will sell itself at the end of the day. And for you, man, I go on vacation to Vegas Tuesday through Friday, you know, the Vegas Knights NBA team, if they go after the hockey team, they they play on Wednesday. I can hit a game. I can do plenty of things. So, I to me, I'd want to see a team in Vegas. Just round out, you know, kind of the sports takeover in Vegas. Like I said, they got hockey. They got football now. They moved the Raiders over there. They have WNBA. WNBA. And, and that's kind of another thing. Like, they got WNBA. They got a stadium. Let's bring the NBA over there, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a perfect move. If the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then you have Alex Rodriguez, the owner, you know, one of the most famous baseball players of all time in Vegas. Like, you know, he'd probably get back with J-Lo at some point. So you got <laughs> the dynamic duo of A-Rod and J-Lo over there. You have Vegas a residency the down there in Vegas performing on a, you know, every so often basis. Yeah, so I think it makes the most sense. Yeah, it does, and I mean, again, the the Vegas Wolves has has a nice ring, nice ring to it. You just drop the yeah. timber part off of it that you have when you're in Minnesota, and mm-hmm. now you have like these Desert Wolves or whatever. So you can do a little bit with that. Not a whole lot of rebranding would have to happen, but all right, man. So you're talking about teams trying to fight for relevancy, and you know who's on top where and things like that. I think that's an excellent segue into our next dis- discussion, which are the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, we spent the last show, and when I say we, this was when I had uh, president of the Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron, on not too long ago. We gave loves to the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and the Denver Nuggets, and rightly so. Austin and I did that on your show as well when we talked about teams that aren't getting talked about who could eventually go into the NBA Finals. We talked about all three of those teams. What's funny is all three of those teams in their last 10 games are 8-2. and You know who else is 8-2 in their last 10 games? The Clippers. The Clippers, right? But we don't talk about them until they're losing to the Orlando Magic after the fire cell that they had. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if they lost by what? What was it against the the Mavericks early in the season? It was was 50. 50. It was like 50 50 points. Yeah, so that's when we talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. It's not when they're beating the Lakers. It's not when they're beating the Jazz. It's not when they're beating... A relevant team, you know, it's more mm-hmm. fun to make fun of playoff P whenever he has a bad game. You know, it's it's more yeah. fun to make fun of Kawhi Leonard for his 
load management, you know, that apparently he's the only NBA player that ever did this, right? You know, shout out mm-hmm. to the San Antonio Spurs for sending Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili. <laughs> no one likes to talk about that. But anyway, um, these Los Angeles Clippers, man, they're they're 36 and 18. They're four and a half games back of first place. They're winners of four straight. Let me do a a little bit of quick math here. I think that, yeah, this is actually the longest active winning streak in the NBA right now. So why is it, man, that the Clippers seemingly can't get any love no matter what they do? I think, yeah, you know, we had this discussion, you know, on my show. I, I heard y'all, like, kind of not talk about it on Friday. But, you know, we had this, you, me, and Austin talked about this on my show. And so I still wondered the question because we, we were trying to give the Clippers flowers but never really like answered ourselves on why are they getting why aren't they getting a lot of love? I think they did it to themselves. Um, yes, they play really good basketball, but I think immediately the Clippers brought themselves into who cares what you do in the regular season. The minute Kawhi Leonard came over there to the Clippers, because we did talk about the Clippers the year before when mm-hmm. they had that team of you know Lou Will, Gilgis Alexander. We were talking about the Clippers on oh, man, that's a feisty team. You know, we were even like, man, Kawhi might not need another star. If he just comes over there himself, he could put them over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we were like, they kind of missed that star player. But I think with the antics. Kind of like the Toronto Raptors of the West a little bit, right? Basically, like it was the same concept. And then you look at how Gilgis Alexander, how good he's been. Uh, obviously, you know, the Chris Paul effect, which you actually brought that up in one of your recent articles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I think we've seen some promise in him anyway. But I think the Clippers did it to themselves. First off, we'll start by they choked a 3-1 lead last year in the bubble um, to the Denver Nuggets. So we kind of expected they kind of I think the NBA crowd is mad upset with the Clippers. We thought, you know, guaranteed Clippers, Lakers, Western Conference Finals. That was what we like watched the NBA all season to see. That was the storyline. That was mm-hmm. what we were waiting to see. We were all linking up on each other's shows. Basically, it was you either Team Clippers or Team Lakers. Mm-hmm. Nobody else thought anybody else had a shot. Uh, Kawhi Leonard comes into L.A., you know, kind of crowning himself king over LeBron king James. King of L.A., yep. So I think they did that to themselves by doing all that, bringing the antics. Paul George hasn't been – you know, we've seen this before where he looks like an MVP candidate at some point in the regular season, and then when it comes to the playoffs – he doesn't match that same energy. He doesn't have, you know, the same performances. So I think it's just they got a lot of guys that time and time again we see this from. This is what we expect from the Clippers in the regular season. We don't expect anything different. And I think, you know, this year it's like who cares what they're doing in the regular season? Nobody really cares about Kawhi, you know, load managing anymore. Like I think we've came to accept it whether you like it or not. you just rather not talk about it because – you either like it or you don't. Right. You know, Paul George, like I said, who cares if he has a bad game? Who cares if he has a good game? We've seen this before mm-hmm. in the regular season. I think we're waiting to to make the Clippers relevant in the playoffs when they give us a reason to. I mean, even this is how I know that we didn't kill them the way. Imagine if the Lakers last year in the bubble blew a 3-1 lead. LeBron, especially with having a LeBron James. Mm-hmm. The Lakers would have got killed. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they would still be talking about it. And, you know, we were in the group chat when it happened, and I was like, why are people not killing Kawhi the way he should be killed for coughing up a 3-1 lead? You know, being the reason, I think they kind of let him off, kind of like they let Westbrook and KD off. They talked about it for a little bit, and then it just it went away. When they gave up the 3-1 lead to the Warriors, we don't talk about that enough that Westbrook and KD could have had a ring together 
Mm-hmm. Had they not have coughed up a 3-1 lead. So I just think that until they do something in the playoffs, I don't think people – you'll talk bad about them in the regular season when they're playing bad because, like, the expectation is for them to play really good. But I think outside of that, it's like you don't want to give them too much credit for playing really good because – to me, is this not what we should be expecting in the regular season from the Clippers? It's kind of my question. Like, are they exceeding expectations? I don't think so. They're playing great basketball, but Phoenix exceeded expectations. Utah is better than we thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Denver's right about where we thought they would be, but with their slow start in the season and them yep. coming along and then obviously adding Aaron Gordon now, it just they they found ways. Jokic being an MVP candidate. I my think, front you know, runner right now. Yeah, so I think, you know, Denver has found their way to stay relevant. But like I said, the two teams that you'll talk about ahead of them, uh, as far as Phoenix and Utah, they exceeded expectations. Where the Clippers are sitting at right about what we expected them to sit at. Probably second in the West, but, you know, some teams have actually played better than we thought. Uh, So I don't think there's nothing impressive about the Clippers. They're playing great basketball. But as far as talking about them and keeping them relevant, it's not impressive to me. Yeah, and it's funny though, like you, like you're saying, like yeah, they're playing good basketball, and but they to me that's where it should start. Like they're playing good basketball, you know what I mean? Like they they have a 36 and 18 record, which right now would be number one in the Eastern Conference. Mo, they would be mm-hmm. the first place team if they were playing out east. And we talked about how great Utah and Phoenix and Denver are playing, but we also just talked about them not getting enough recognition too. So. If we're not talking about the first, second, and fourth seed in the in the Western Conference, we should be by proxy talking about the Clippers, but we're, we're not doing it. We're talking mm-hmm. about the Lakers, we're talking about the Mavericks, and then we're talking about the three top teams in the Eastern Conference. This has probably been one of the least diverse conversations throughout the entire season that I think I've ever witnessed You know, since I've been a fan of the NBA. It seems like the least amount of teams are being discussed. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are... We we talk about the arms race that they're in. We don't talk about the Bucks even really that much either. We talk about the Nets. We talk about the Sixers. We talk about when the Lakers get healthy, and then maybe we talk about Denver. Like that's we don't really talk about a lot of teams this season, man. And that's kind of like my point about not the the Clippers not getting a lot of love is that they have a they have a, a superstar player in Kawhi Leonard. They have a really good player in Paul George. They've added savvy vets like Rajon Rondo. They just picked up DeMarcus Cousins, who actually in his short burst that he's been in has been performing well. They have Serge Ibaka. They added Nick Batum. You know, they got Luke Kennard. They got the you know Marcus Morris on their team. They got Patrick Beverly. I believe I just read that they're bringing in Yogi Ferrell uh, to yep. kind of counteract what they're losing with Patrick Beverly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that's got dogs on their team. And they got a new coach in Ty Lu, who's an NBA championship level head coach. How much credit you want to give to him or take away from him, I'll leave that up to you. But again, like they have a roster this season, not like they did last year. But I believe that what happened is, is that, and this is something that you hear a lot of the older heads talk about, is like the NBA is not competitive. Everybody's buddy-buddy and wants to team up. The one team that has the one player that doesn't want to be buddy-buddy with everyone, we want to kill. You know, Kawhi Leonard had the opportunity to go play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and be a Laker. That was the story that broke during the offseason where he opted to go to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have his team there and maybe bring in a Kevin Durant or a Jimmy Butler or what have you instead of joining up with LeBron James. But for some odd reason, Kawhi Leonard does it. And now we want to, you know, look for any excuse at all to kind of 
you know, combat him when he's one of these only dudes that's not like, hey, I want to join everybody. He wants to win on his own, you know? Yeah, I I don't think that's it. I think with Kawhi Leonard, like, you go down a list of, of players that you name for the Clippers, quiet. All of them are quiet. They don't mm-hmm. talk much. They're not on I mean, Paul George is probably the biggest star on the team when you talk about, you know, having his own shoe. I know Kawhi has his own shoe, but Kawhi's a little weird. Like the New most balance. viral, yeah, the <laughs> most viral that we heard from Kawhi was his laugh, his weird laugh. Right. He doesn't talk much. It was a surprise when he came to the Clippers. It came with those commercials. Mm-hmm. That was a surprise because we don't think Kawhi is capable of something like that. Paul George has become a lot more quiet. Uh, I think he's been a little bit humbled, but you know he has his own shoe. He's kind of the the go to guy as far as like stardom outside of a Clippers uniform. But then mm-hmm. Abaka never in the news. Like you don't hear about any of those guys. So then you don't. Patrick Beverly puts himself out there. Yeah, a little bit. But even <laughs> people are tired of him and his like right. annoying antics. That got old quick. Also, and then you know he kind of what he did with you know uh, Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. You know during the bubble when they were playing that game or whatever. You know I think just people are tired of bringing up Patrick Beverly when he's not really a player worth bringing up the way he was, you know, like he's some defensive stopper. He's really not. You watch the game, he fouls, but who cares? I just, they're all quiet. And and so the storylines, like, is we bring up Phoenix because De- we feel like Devin Booker gets uh, disrespected. Okay, we're going to talk you know, more about that here in a little bit. Yeah, we feel like he gets disrespected. And then we, we talk about Denver because they have Nikola Jokic, who's arguably the best center, probably the best center in the NBA right now. And a lot of people, such as yourself, MVP frontrunner. We talk about Philly because they have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and this is the best we've seen them play, it seems like, since being together. The process that we thought we would see them at one point being number one in the Easter Conference. Doc Rivers went over their new coach. It seems like they figured some things out and they could win a championship. We talk about the Lakers. Obviously, it's LeBron and it's LeBron James first off, and of then it's Anthony Davis. Like, but LeBron is out there. Anthony Davis but still is, a top five player when when he's healthy, right? And Anthony right, Davis. and then we're talking about the city of Los Angeles. We're talking about the West Coast, California. Then you know we bring up Brooklyn. You can't not talk about Brooklyn when you got Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden on one team. Forget the other players. When you got those guys, they're going to be relevant, whether they're playing or not. Because you know when those they've guys only been in- together seven games, and I kind of have a th- like we don't have enough time on today's show, but like I kind of have something in like in mind about like can they really be a super team when they're not playing together? Yeah, I, and I, I think the same thing. I think yeah. you know I think that is a conversation for another day, but I think it's possible yeah. that we put these championship expectations on the team like that. But what I wouldn't be surprised if they flunked out and didn't go to the finals because when all three of those guys did together, yeah, it seems like they've, they played great when they do, but that chemistry is going to matter. But it's just Kawhi is quiet. The Clippers are quiet. They want to just play ball and win and people want to pick on the Clippers. Cause I think it's like weird that Kawhi, you're such a superstar and you're quiet. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Then Paul George, Tim is the Duncan, one yeah, like, he was weird. Like, the Spurs <laughs> was weird. They played basketball. They played great basketball. And then Paul George, like, you the choke artist, and you kind of want to come out, and you want to be the trash talker of the team. You want to be the tough guy. You and then Mr. He gets in the feuds with, with uh, Jared Dudley. That's who he Yeah, and then with Patrick <laughs> Beverly, like, you know, you kind of you want to make yourself relevant by playing this, you know, tough man jail ball kind of basketball. 
And so I think it's just one of those, like, it's put up or shut up with the Clippers. People are not going to talk about them until they really give them a reason to. And I think you won't really talk about the Clippers until they start running through the West. And ultimately, they they shattered, they shafted, you know, the NBA community of a great Western Conference Finals last year. And I think the NBA community this year is a little upset about that. And it's like, hey, until you can show us that you can play against the Lakers and give us, you know, and they might have a chance of play, showing us in the first round. It's very possible that we get to see that matchup in the first round. So I just think you're feeling the lingering effects of last year and then how quiet they are as players. I mean, that's why they say Rondo there is a, such a big impact because he's a leader. You just Kawhi and them, you just don't hear from them. They're not guys that are in social media superstars or anything like that. Yeah, you won't not hear from Rondo with him being on a team, right? So yeah. It's fun, fun stuff. But yeah, I, again, I just wanted to bring up the Clippers and talk about them because if we're not going to do it, then I guess nobody is. So we'll transition from their mo to our last segment tonight. And I want to get your initial thoughts on the ESPN top 25 players under the age of 25. Now, again, a lot of people, when they read this, I think they maybe glanced. I know you, you didn't, but a lot of people maybe glanced over the fact that potential was the biggest part of this list right so mm-hmm. i'm going to kind of run through these lists of players that espn had i want to get your initial thoughts and we can even talk a little bit about you know kind of what we have on the off the ball network that people can go read but um number one luka Doncic. i don't think that there's any dispute there i think it starts and ends with him if you're talking mm-hmm. about number one i don't even think zion's in there um number two zion number three Lamelo ball and eh. Um, Donovan Mitchell, number four, Jason Tatum, number five, number six, De'Aaron Fox, number seven, Ben Simmons, number eight, Devin Booker, eh. um, Bam Adebayo, number nine, Shea Gillis Alexander, number 10, Brandon Ingram, 11, Jalen Brown, 12, eh. um, Jamal Murray at 13, Michael Porter Jr., 14, John Morant, 15, Trey Young, 16, eh. um, Mikael Bridges, 17, eh. DeMontis Sabonis at 18, Anthony Edwards, 19, not feeling that one. Um, DeAndre Ayton at 20, Tyrese Halliburton, 21, John Collins, 22, Jared Allen at 23, not feeling that one. Lonzo Ball, 24, and number 25, Colin Sexton. So when when you hear this list again, I'm sure I know that you've already read it before, but what are your initial thoughts and kind of how has this sat with you over time? They, that list was based on in the moment, like period, point blank. You, you first off, Luca is rightfully number one. Period. I, you know, yeah. there's no argument there. Uh, I think Zion. I think Zion at two is. I'm okay with that. I, I, you know, to revert back to your list because you know I was so fascinated with your list, and I'm gonna be honest. There were a couple where I look and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe this guy should be ahead of him. I, I looked at your list first before I read anything, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay. I think so-and-so, but then your explanation, I was like, I can't argue. Like, I can't argue that. I, whether I agree or not, I'm like, I can't really argue that. Is Because there was substance, legitimacy behind your list. First off, you know, potential is a strong word. And you brought mm-hmm. that up. Like, what are we calling potential? That's such a strong word. Because, I'm going to be honest, if we solely go off of potential, how is Ben Simmons not number one or two? Like, if we talk about potential, if we talk, because to me, potential is I could take your weaknesses, make them your strengths, and in your prime, with everything being strong about your game, this is how good you'll be. You tell me if Ben Simmons gets a jump shot, <laughs> he wouldn't be the, one of the best players in the NBA today. Right. So be an MVP about, candidate. Exactly. And we talk about potential under 25. 
Ben Simmons with a jump shot probably is the best player on this list, and it probably wouldn't even be close. It, I get it would be close with Luca, but we talk about his defensive efficiency. You you would probably take Ben Simmons hands down if all these guys were at the potential that we could see them reaching. So I do think when you you know ESPN kind of backed themselves in a the corner by saying potential not having Ben Simmons at like number two because potentially if everybody reaches their maximum ceiling. Ben Simmons will probably be the best player on this list. He'd be a Hall of Fame player, period, point blank. I don't see how he win it. 6'9", point guard, can do it all but shoot. And we kill him for that. He can't shoot, he can't shoot free throws. Just imagine if he was 72% from the free throw line and 37% from the three-point line. He's 33% this year. Yeah, and I mean, with the but even if he shot him at a consistent level if we could get right. four to five threes a game less, he could shoot less at, than an attempt a game right now yeah, yeah if he could shoot at 37 38 percent ben simmons would be a lethal basketball player he'd be a top five player i think mm-hmm. so i just think the list was kind of and then Lamelo ball i'm sorry Lamelo played great but i'm one of those you got to earn it in like yep. half a season of basketball because you talk about it was shaky his first you know part of the season he started playing great once he got that start. He had a few really good games, I guess you could say, coming off the bench. But he really started that impact when he started. So I think, you know, LaMelo Ball in the moment, the name, da-da-da. But I, I don't really fully agree with their listening. Devin Booker at 8, Trey Young oh at 16. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, Colin Sexton, actually a guy I forgot about. I agree with him being in there. Uh, he he he's not there on my list, but he's like he's definitely a consideration. Yeah, I agree with him being there, especially at twenty five. Like I, I could see that. I think Colin Sexton has some promise, but he might be a guy that like everybody could get better. But he might have hit like Flash what you're gonna pan. see from yeah. him. He just might be able. He might be at the stage where he might perfect what he does really well. But you know, kind of with Luca, I, I kind of think that about Luca. I think this is the best. You'll see as far as his ceiling of talent, but I think he'll be able to perfect everything, which will make him this good for long. Like if you yeah. look at his numbers, if he puts this up for the next ten to twelve years, Hall of Fame, <laughs> he doesn't even have to go this high for ten to twelve years. But I'm saying if I don't know if he could do much, I don't know how to expect any more from Luca outside of postseason performance. Like you look at his numbers, he can improve on three point percentage. There's always room for improvement, but if he put these numbers up for the next 10 to 12 years, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of my thing with Luca. And then we see Zion. Zion's played so great this year. Man, mm-hmm. he he could be real dangerous. I think yep. potential he's up there too. But I don't know. I don't really agree with ESPN's list too too much. Yeah, and just real quick before we close out for tonight, I'll go ahead and grace the listeners with my list here. And one thing I want to point out about what you said about potential, Mo, is that for some reason ESPN thinks that when you turn 25, your potential is gone. You know, like forget the guys like a Jimmy Butler who has gotten better even just last season, improving his playmaking, right? Or the step Mm -hmm. that Julius Randle has taken this season with the Knicks and his. So I don't know. Potential is such a fickle thing, but mine was more weighted for basically an all-around type thing but uh mm-hmm. my list goes Luka Doncic number one Jason Tatum number two Zion Williamson number three Jalen Brown number four Devin Booker number five Donovan Mitchell number six Trey Young at number seven Bam Adebayo at eight Brandon Ingram at nine uh Shea Gilgis Alexander at 10 Ben Simmons at 11 De'Aaron Fox at 12 John Moran at 13 Jamal Murray at 14 Michael Porter Jr. 15 LaMelo Ball 16 DeMontis Sabonis 17 OG Ananobi at 18, who wasn't on ESPN's list at all. 
Um, Tyrese Halliburton at 19, John Collins at 20, DeAndre Hunter at 21, who wasn't on ESPN's list at all, DeAndre Ayton at 22, Lonzo Ball 23, RJ Barrett at 24, who wasn't on ESPN's list at all, and then James Wiseman, who wasn't on ESPN's list at all. And that was kind of like a home run swing at 25. I even put that in the excerpt underneath him that he was more, that he was heavily based on analysis, like advanced analytics and potential Mm -hmm. heavily weighed on on my uh, take with James Wiseman. But, you know, some of these guys on here, I like the the overall versatility that some of these kids bring. Um, Their overall like playmaking, defensive-minded. I I value the defensive side of the ball, I think, a little bit more than what ESPN did as well. But, um, Mo, that's going to bring us to a closeout on this show. But, hey, when you're done here, what I want you to do, if you're listening to us on the podcast – Go and check out the Shooter Shoot Basketball Pod because right after this, Mo, my special guest tonight, and I are going to be guests on another show after this. So go check us out there. We're going to be actually doing a, a draft on the 25 players under 25. So that's going to be a fun segment. But our, our boy Kenneth from the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast invited us over. But Mo, I just want to thank you again so much for your time. It's been fun to work so much with you lately on your show for basketball purposes with Austin. We did our NFL mock draft on your show, the 2.0, which was a very fun start for that show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously today and then later today. So a lot of work with you this week, man. Um, why don't you let the people know where they can find you? Yeah, I appreciate you for having me on. Like you said, we've been working a lot uh, together. You know, uh, you can find me at Up Flames Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Check out everything on OffTheBallNetwork.com. Friday, we did our live show, Mock Draft 2.0 which will actually be like our true last official mock draft. Picks 1 through 10. Uh, next Friday will be picks 11 through 20. And then the Friday, you know, Friday before the NFL draft will actually be uh, picks 21 through 32. It's always been a great turnout. Love having the guys on there. Um, you know, shout out to everybody who's participated and some of the new guys who are going to participate in these next, you know, two weeks. So I definitely look forward to that. It was a fun little project I put together. Um, but yeah, bro, I appreciate you for having me on definitely. And, you know, like you said, you know, uh, basketball conversation isn't over. Jump from here and go to shoot or shoot uh, basketball pod, because you're going to see both of us there with our guy, Kenneth. And like you said, doing a, you know, a draft 25 under players, 25, 25 players under 25. We'll do a little five man draft for the six man. So that'll be a lot of fun too. Definitely. Uh, we'll have to put more of my thinking cap on. There you to go. Kinda, you know, because I know our teams are going to get compared, so I got to put my thinking cap on <laughs> to see if I can be a better GM than Kenneth or Steven. Yeah, and that's a very low bar to clear with myself. But um, <laughs> real quick, before we close out, I just want to let everyone know that they can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com or up in flames if you want to help uh, Mo Outlet. Just let them know that either Mo or I sent you, and you can get 20% off with free shipping. Um you get the best in the business with Manscaped for, you know, the below the waist grooming. You can unlock your confidence and it's always use the right tool for the job with at manscaped.com. Use promo code BTG or up in flames. Let them know that either Mo or myself sent you. We're pretty good friends with them. They'll hook you up with a good deal and you, you can just uh, shoot us a thank you later. But for my special guest, Mo, for my co-host Austin, for the Breaking the Game show, for the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, for Manscaped, for all of our great sponsors at Off The Ball Network, go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. This has been the Breaking the Game show. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody.